0: It's it is fun to be a part of a great church, isn't it? Seriously, come on, can you give give yourselves a big hand? Some of you are like, oh yeah, okay, we're great. I'm bragging on you, man. I'm bragging on me. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you here this weekend at Life Church, and and I just want to talk about celebrating church. What makes a church great? What, what makes a great local church? Because we all know, if you've been going to church for very long at all, that not all churches are great. We don't, you know, somebody's like, he's going to go there? Yeah, let's just go there for a minute. Because here's the deal is, if every church was a great church, the first church you went to, you'd never leave. You'd never go anywhere else, right? You'd just stay there because there's a great church. Every church is a great church. And I'm not saying that the church of Jesus Christ isn't great. I'm not saying that the whole church isn't great. But how many of you know there are God moves in different ways at different places. And there are some churches that are just alive and they're vibrant and they're growing. And there's just something about it. They got that it factor. You go, man, that's where I go to church. That's where I want for my church. That's the whole. And and then there are some churches that you lost that love and feelings gone, gone, gone. Whoa, whoa, right? Seriously, there hasn't been a whole lot happening in that church in a long, long time. What makes a great church great? Is it a great pastor? Is it great worship? Is it great programming? Is it a great building? Is it a great location? I'll tell you what makes, there's a lot of things that make a great church a great church, but I'll tell you the thing that tops the list is the people. It's the people. It's why Tammy and I came here nine years ago, because we met this, this group of lion chasers, these people that believed that God could and that he would and that he should, people that were willing to leverage their influence and their time and their talent and their treasure to see God do something great in their local community. And it's the same thing that we have today. Nine years later, we've got this same vibrancy, this same passion, this same desire to want to do something great from God. For God, around the corner or around the world, that we're willing to give of our treasure, we're willing to give of our time, we're willing to give of our energy, we're willing to launch a campus, uh, uh, um, you know, in the western suburbs. We're willing to launch a campus on the northern suburbs of Milwaukee, we have a vision not just to reach our suburb or our neighborhood, but a vision to reach the city of Milwaukee. It's a great church that we're a part of, this thing called Life Church, and it's bigger than me, and it's bigger than, than you. It's about all of us in this room, and all of us that are located at these campuses that we have, and it's, it's this great thing. You know, I, I'm in the middle of right now of, of, of of uh, meetings about the future of the church and, and building. And, and matter of fact, on Monday night at, at the Germantown Village Hall, we're going to have a big meeting where we're going to be uh, meeting with the city leadership and saying, hey, here's the next phase. Here's what we want to do with this shopping center. We want to show you the grandiose of what we like to do here in Germantown and want to get feedback. And if you're a prayer person, I hope you are anyhow. That'd be a good time to say amen. Uh, I want you to be praying because it's going be to be a pivotal meeting for what we're trying to, to accomplish here. And um, But I'm going through all of this, and one of the statistics that I came across is that only 1.75 churches in America, 1.75, less than 2% of churches in the United States today are actively talking or building. And then I asked the question, why? Why is that? Why is it that only less than 2%, when money is as cheap as it is right now, and borrowing is as low as it is right now, Foreclosure rates on churches have never been higher than they've, been, than they've ever been in the history of the United States, right until they are right now. But why isn't that live? Vibra- because only 1.75 percent of churches in America are building. Because only 1.75 percent of churches in America are growing. Wow, that makes a great church even more of a unique thing. Shouldn't be that way. And I got to thinking, what is it about a church? What's it about Life Church that makes Life Church great? Is it the buildings? No. Is it the location? Not necessarily. Is it, is it a ministry? No. Are we doing something that nobody else in the United States is doing? Not really. I mean, what we're doing, been, we've been doing for 2,000 years. But there's something about the people. Church growth experts tell us that. Within seven seconds of someone pulling onto your church campus, seven seconds. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven seconds. They've made a decision whether they're coming back or not. They haven't even got to see my beautiful face or my great message. Seven seconds. Right? Seven seconds. So who are they meeting to make that decision? You? Because nothing works like the local church works when the local church works the way the local church is designed to work, right? Those who have given the ability to lead, lead, teach, teach, sing, sing. You ever been to church where somebody didn't have the ability to sing and they got a microphone? God help us all. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) I was raised in the day and age you used to have soundtracks. And one side was like the accompaniment and the other side was the vocal and the accompaniment. And every once in a while we'd get mixed up where the vocal and the accompaniment would come. On the same track, on the same side, and the person began to sing, and then you heard their voice coming through, you're like, oh, just turn the track up. Please, Jesus, turn the track up. But nothing works like the local church when the local church works the way the local church is designed to work. Where those who are given the ability to sing, sing, and lead, lead, and teach, teach, and ush, ush. Nothing works like the local church works the way the local church is designed to work. Nothing. And I just want to tell you in all of this Christmas season and everything that goes on, you are a great church. If you don't hear anything else that I hear it say today, hear that one thing. You are a great church. If Life Church is your home church, you are part of a great church. Not because of me, but because there's something about the people at Life Church that have this yielded. Palms up attitude towards God. That God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll be what you want me to be. There's something about the people that when you pull onto the parking lot, there's a friendliness, there's a niceness, there's a genuineness, there's a kindness. There's something about the people that receive your children in, in Life Kids Elementary and Life Kids Early Childhood. There's something about the people who are handing out bulletins at the door. This is a good time to say amen at any point in time. There's something about the people that, that are doing the audio and video. There's Something about the people that are on the platform. These are all volunteers. These are all people that attend Life Church. These aren't paid musicians. This isn't hired talent. These men and women, they give of their gift because nothing works like the local church works when the local church works the way the local church is designed to work. And you are a part of a great church because there are great people in this church and great relationships in this church. And there's something that God is doing here that he could do anywhere, but for some reason he is choosing to do it here. Hebrews says it this way. Hebrews chapter 10 verse verse 25 said, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage. That's what we're called to do. We're here to call and encourage one another. We're here, to, we're here to say amen. We're here to, here to cheer each other on. We're here to be each other's fan club. We're, we're here to help each other. Not for my benefit, but for your benefit. Not for, for me, but for them. For those people that have yet to come into the doors of the church. That's what we're here for, to encourage. That's what it means to be a part of a local church. See, the, 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 the church is a place where people, first of all, they belong. Or people belong. Because they're children of the Most High God. It doesn't matter what you smell like, what you look like, where you're from, where you're going. It doesn't matter what your bank account is, or even if you don't even have a bank account. It matters nothing to God. It should matter nothing to the local church. It matters nothing to me. It's a place, this is a place where you belong, where you or anybody can experience that so love of God that talks about in John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world without constraint, without restraint, without condition. So loved you and I that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish that everlasting life. The church is a place where you get to experience that so love of God, where you belong. Church is a place where you grow, where you grow, where, where you begin to develop, where you begin to see God do things in your life, where you open up God's Word and you sit under a good biblical teaching and, you're, and, and you're, you're in small groups because life transformation doesn't happen in rows. It happens in circles. It happens in these life groups. And you're involved in life on life, doing life with each other. You're involved in... in um, in in ministry with one another and serving with one another, serving the community, serving each other, and you begin to grow, you begin to develop, you begin to realize that life is bigger than you and and there's bigger problems out there than you, and that if you will focus on people that have yet to come to faith in Christ, if you'll focus focus on serving people, then God will serve you. It's probably one of the greatest lessons that we can learn as a church and and to remind ourselves that if we will serve the hurting of humanity, of our world, God will serve us. If we want to serve ourselves, God says, fine, you serve yourself. But if you want God to serve you, then serve other people. And in doing so, growth and maturation develops and and great families come together. Church is a place to believe. It's a place to believe, not just believe in Jesus Christ, but to believe together that we can accomplish greater things. This is the most powerful thing. Because, yes, you come to Christ just as you are. Yes, you come to Christ as a single person. Yes, you stand before God just on your own two feet. And you give an account for your life. But, ladies and gentlemen, we have the ability to do something greater together than we can do apart. That's why Matthew 18 and 19 says, We're two or more gathered together in my name. There I am in the midst of them. And if they ask anything according to my will, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven. Every time I pray a prayer that God blesses your finances as you bring the tithe, as you fulfill his scripture. That's his will because he already wrote it. You wanna know what God's will is? Read the Bible. Every time we pray for hurting people, for people that need divine healing, as we have prayer partners and come forward and we pray for the sick and we anoint them with oil and lay hands upon them, just like the book of James tells us to do, we're praying the perfect will of God. So when two or more are gathered together, God begins to work. See, there's something that happens in the power of us. And the context of the local church, it doesn't happen when you're just following Christ by yourself. It doesn't happen if you're just watching alone on the internet. There's something that happens with the corporate body. When we begin to connect ourselves and our faith with each other, we begin to see greater things happen. We can believe for God to not just touch our own lives or our own family, but to touch our city. See, that's one of the things that excites me about this church. I can't give my life to a suburban church that just wants me to be a chaplain, to, to marry you and bury you and take care of you in between. I, that, that's just never been my whole deal. I don't have a big counseling ministry. I don't have a big... Here, ministry. My, my my heartbeat is that not willing that any should perish. It's about let's let's activate each other. Let's let's go together. Let's serve. Let's reach not just Washington County, not just Ozaukee County, not just Waukesha County, but Milwaukee County. Let's reach. Let's do something here that that to, to God be the glory, but that only He could do. Only He could put together. But you and I, and you go. Well, why are you so jazzed about that? Why do you talk to us about that? Because I can't do that on my own. It's not something that. Tammy and I can do do by ourselves is not just something that I and the staff can do. But when we come together in one accord and in one mind and in one heart, we can believe for greater things to be done. It's what Jesus said. Look, When I leave, I'm going to send the comforter, the Holy Spirit, and He will, the the Greek word is paraclete, He will walk beside you. And when He walks beside you, He'll lead you into all truth. He'll reveal all things to you, and He will be a comforter and a convictor to you to help you to do the work that I've called you to do. Because I, Jesus said, am going to go to the Father so that you can do greater things. We can't do that by ourselves. We only do that in the context of the local church because nothing works like the local church when the local church works the way the local church is designed to work. That's what makes you so great that's what makes what we have here so awesome. It's more than a statistic. It's more than a number. It's about a revolution. It's about a movement that can only be inspired by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to start preaching in a minute. It's about something that only God can do and God will do, and he has found a group of people that are willing to go palms up. God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I will live my life in such a way to point to you and give my life for you to reach this city. That's what makes this church great. That's why we need each other, because we can't do that on our own. Well, Aaron, if the local church is so great, I mean, I get it. It's the bride of Christ, and, and Jesus is the head of the church and the whole deal. But if it's so great, then why do so many people not go to church? I'm so glad you asked. In my few years of pastoring, a couple of reasons, I'd say. First of all is naivete, or naivete. It, it's not not nativity, I know it's Christmas, but but just they don't know. I think there's a lot of people that just don't know. They've just never tried it. Maybe they weren't raised in church. Maybe they weren't around church. Maybe they don't really remember church. Maybe church is something that they didn't. They just don't know. They just they just it's not that they're bad people. Do you know people like that? They're not bad people. They just don't know. They're just naive to it. They just you see them. When you when you leave to go to church, they just don't go anywhere. They don't do anything. But they're good neighbors. They're good people. And if you talk to them, do you believe in God? They probably would tell yeah, I don't have a problem with God. And, and, and you you know, but but they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They, they've they never really seen the need because no one's ever really sat down and explained it. They've never really seen it in a way to go, I need to do this. They're just naive. Another reason is temperament. Some people just go, man, I don't have any need for church because I don't have any problems. And when I have problems, then I'll call the church. But until I have problems, I'm not really going to call the church because I don't need a church. Kind of reminds me of... The first time Muhammad Ali was flying on the airlines and the flight attendant was walking through the cabin and telling everyone to buckle their seatbelt. And, uh, and she, she went by and she said, Mr. Ali, you need to buckle up. And he goes, Superman don't need no seatbelt. She said, Superman don't need a plane either. Buckle up, sir. We're getting ready to take off. <laughs> See, sometimes people just think, I don't need it. Right? You know, people like that. I don't need this. Some some reason why people don't go to church is because of fear. It's fear. They don't know what goes on inside the doors of the church. And I if I hadn't gone to church, if I wasn't around church, that probably would scare me too. I mean, it just kinda like, what are they doing in there? Like like, I see the sign, and it's like a storefront, so this is this like a cult. What is this? And, and they don't really have any windows and can't really see in and what's going on. And all of a sudden, they're going to do, like, demons be gone in the name of Jesus. I mean, what do they do in there? I have people sometimes tell me, they'll, they'll say, hey, I've got some friends that are coming. Can you do the demons be gone thing? And I'm like, seriously, not that we do that. I don't know where this guy came up with this, but he's like, you know, I said, what do you mean? He goes, it's like, lay your hand, ah. I said, "Are you someone to like just freak me?" Goes totally, totally. But I just think it'd be great. Could you do that for me? Just right in the right in the foyer, just right here. I'm like, "Yeah, that'll really bring them back, right?" But I mean, you know. And here's the deal: if you've been in church where it's just gotten weird, it just goes woo, and you're like, "Oh my goodness!" And right, and Sister Smith got a shout on, and somebody's doing this and that and that kind of a deal. And I'm not speaking against anything; I'm just simply saying. There are some crazy things that can happen in church, and I think some people just don't go to church because they just go, man, what's going on in there? I don't know if I want the demons be gone thing or whatever, so I'm just going to go right on. When they get some windows, I'll show up. Um, <laughs> past experiences. People have been hurt by church, or they see something negative in the headlines, or they personally have a heartache because there's an issue that they were grieved by a church. The church did them wrong. Let me say this to you. If I have not offended you yet, let me say to you, I'm sorry. Because it's going to happen. Not that I'm intentional, not that I don't care, but listen, church was perfect till you showed up, right? Until I showed up. Come on, let's just get down. Oh, I can't believe he just said that, Margaret. Let's rewind that tape. Church was perfect until you showed up and I showed up. When we showed up, it became imperfect, didn't it? That's the amazing thing to me. This great thing called the church is filled full of people. And we are what? Flawed, fallible humanity. We are imperfect. Which means sometimes we may have bad days. Which means sometimes we may not say hello. Which means sometimes we may look right through you. Just right at you. I I just saw the pastor. He looked right at me. He didn't even say hello. I just can't believe that. (laughs) I'm sorry. Right? That's all I can say. That's it. You know, I apologize. You know, I, I, I just, and, 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 you know, or, or, or I, I saw him out and about and he didn't even say hello to me or I saw so-and-so and they're all so nice at church, but out, outside church, they're, they're not nice at all. They, they may not just, they may not have saw you. You know, I saw, I, this happened to me the other day. I was downtown Tosa and Tammy and I were having lunch and, and um, I saw, I saw um, Dave uh, Mankey. And Dave, I'm going to call him out. Dave Mankey, Yeah, I'm, I'm throwing him under the bus. David Mankey, And he goes to the West Campus. And I saw Dave. And I'm waving at him. I'm looking at him. I'm driving in my car. And he just does this to me the whole way. Like he couldn't figure out who I was. And just kept walking. And I was like, dude, I'm going to call him out. So I'm at the, cam- I'm at the West Campus last weekend. I was just like, what's up? I'm leaving the church. I'm offended. I'm hurt. You saw me. You looked at me. I was waving at you. And you didn't even say hello to me. He goes, I didn't recognize you. When was this? What was going on? I was like, oh, whatever. I, right? It just happens. It's just people. It's just what goes on. But there are people that go, man, I was hurt. Or they read a headline in the newspaper and go, well, all these pastors want is money. Or there's some, there's some scandal. or There's some something. I don't need that in my life. And so they walk away from it. And they just kind of give the Heisman to the local church. Another reason is busyness. They're just busy. One day I'll get there. Tomorrow I'll get there. It's interesting to me the same reason that some people don't attend church is the same reason why some people quit attending church. It's not that they have a problem with it. It's not that they have an issue with it. They think that they should be there, but life just gets busy. Kids, busy. Marriage, busy. Busy, single, looking for somebody. Busy. Uh, what are the kind of busy? This is a new kind of busy. The, the the now now that the baby boomers are starting to come into retirement, all of a sudden they're empty nesters and they got money and they're mobile. Oh my goodness, busy! And so they're gone here, gone there, working Monday through Friday, but they don't have any 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 entanglements on the weekend, so they're over here and there and there. And I'm not beating up on anybody. I'm telling I'm, you know you got you got a place in Florida, invite me. I'm ready to go. It's 25 degrees outside, right? I, I'm just saying. But if we're not careful, that same busyness is what keeps people from church can also pull us out. It's just life. It's not right or wrong. It's just reality. But let me remind you, we need each other. We need each other. Do you remember, I'm going to show my age a little bit on this, but it was a sitcom. I loved it. It started in 1982, went through 1993, and it was called Cheers. Remember that sitcom? Some of you were going, Cheers, what's he talking about? Uh, cheers, with, with Sam and Carla and Cliff and Norman, Frazier and Woody and Diane and everybody. And the theme song, I'm not going to sing it for you, but I'm going to read the lyrics because I think it's, it speaks to where we're talking about, was this, making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. See me singing along, I can hear you. Taking a break from your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. You want to go where people know that people are all the same. You want to go where everyone knows your name. That's what people are looking for. And that's what the church is all about. The Bible says it like this in Romans chapter 12 verse 5. Since we're all one body in Christ... We all belong to each other and each of us needs, each of us needs all the others. We all need each other. This is what the local church is all about. So if relationships is one of the top things that make the make the local church great, then what makes for a great relationship? I'm so glad you asked. Let me just give you four things I think work make for a great relationship. If you take a note, you can write these down. But according to Scripture, the first would be lasting, a relationship that's lasting. Again, you can find this in a local church, but but it's a relationship that's lasting. Proverbs 18.24 says that friends come and friends go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. If you're going to have a great relationship, it's got to be one that's lasting. And it's a commitment that makes a love last, not the love that makes a commitment last. Because you will lose that love and feeling. I don't care if you've been married for 5 years, 25 years, or 55 years. You'll lose that love and feeling at some point in time. And it's not a drudgery, but there are times where it's the commitment that makes the love last, not the love that makes commitment last. Same is true in in any kind of relationship. When you have a commitment with someone that's built upon something that lasts, and these are rare, rare, rare friendships, but you have a friendship or relationship that's built upon something that lasts, It's that commitment to one another. It's that thing that says, you know what? I'm sticking with you, man. I'm going to stick. I'm sticking by your side. I'm going to be your friend. I'm going to walk you through this. I'm going to do this. And can I tell you, if you are the friend that's going through the rough time and you've got a friend that you feel like is maybe stronger on higher ground than you are, and he or she's trying to help you, don't push them away can't tell you how many times i've been in a relationship where i've been the weaker one and i've needed the stronger one and it's the strength of that person that's gotten me through that relationship got me through that tough time i can also tell you that the opposite is also true there have been times where i've been the stronger one on more secure ground and i'm reaching to a friend of mine who needs my help and they push me away and i just see them drift further and further and further and further and further away and further away from what God had for them. And further away from that. Because there's something inside of you, the enemy of your soul, that says get away, get away, get away. But we need each other. And we need to have relationships that last. Hang on to that. Second characteristics of a great relationship is that it's built on truth. It's built on truth. Proverbs 27.6 says that the wounds from a friend are worth it. The King James Version says that the wounds of a friend can be trusted. It's the kisses from an enemy that will do you in. Be careful. Because sometimes in, in relationships, make sure that they're built on trust, that they're built on truth. That you're building relationships built on things that are true. Because people that really are your friend will tell you when you got mustard on your face or when your fly's down, right? People that are really your friend will tell you when you're, when you're being curt and short, or when you're acting like you're too big for your britches, or when you're acting like you're, 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 you're someone that you're not. People that are really your friend will come to you and remind you, Hey, hey, remember where you come from, hey. Don't forget the small people. Hey, remember that in all this blessing, this is what... Hey, don't forget. The also are the same people that will come to you and will speak truth to you when you don't feel like that you're worth it. You don't feel like you can do it. You don't feel like you can make it. You don't feel like... Remember that, Hebrews 10.25? To encourage one another. That's what we're here for. To build one another up. Hold on to relationships with people that are truthful with you. Have you asked your friends... See, I have relationships in my life. I'm not worried about what people say to my face. I'm always concerned about what people say behind my back. Not that you can really control that. And what I mean by that, I am not really what what, what, care what most people say behind my back because being uh, 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 in the ministry, sometimes you live life in a fishbowl and everybody has a comment. It's kind of like armchair quarterback. Everybody thinks you should have dropped back through a different pass, ran a different play pattern, whatever. But, um, But there are people in my life that I trust, that I've known me for a long, long time. And I was spending some time a couple weeks ago with a, with a friend like that. And I just said to him, hey, help me out. Tell me where my blind spots are right now. Tell me where my blind spots are right now. He said, you really want to know? I said, yeah. And he began to tell me very kindly but very straightforward a blaring blind, blind spot in my life that very few people could have said to me. And was like, you really think that? He goes, yeah. I said, can you get examples? Because, I mean, you know, you get a little defensive. You're talking about me, right? You know? And when you ask me, I know I ask you, but it's just my flesh. Just give me some examples. And so he began to give me a couple examples. I thought, wow, I really need to check myself on this issue. Hold dear to relationships that are built on truth. Make sure your relationships are built on truth, on transparency, authenticity, integrity. Another thing for a sign for a great relationship is energizing relationships that are energizing, right? People that fill your tank, people that you get around that you enjoy being with, other couples that you enjoy doing life with, other other people you know that you just you 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 just like them. They they they're, they're energizing you. Proverbs twenty-seven nine says, "A sweet friendship refreshes the soul. A sweet friendship refreshes the soul." Let me say it like this. There are people, there are basically people either drain you, you're like, you're like a battery, we all are. They either drain you or they fill you. We see this even with Jesus in the scripture. He goes into the crowd and he ministers and ministers and ministers and he's drained. And then he removes himself from the crowd. He removes himself and he gets away. Why? To build himself back up. Who's he hang with? He hangs with the disciples. Did the disciples just say, hey, come and I want to be a disciple? No. He chose his disciples. He chose the people that energized him because he knew there were going to be relationships in life that, where he was going to be giving. There were going to be relationships in life where he's going to be receiving. He was going to have mutual benefit, and he had to be half time with the Father, which is the ultimate thing that we need spiritually to make sure. You know, because I can get emotionally tired and give me, give me a couple of days and I'll be back up. I can get emotionally tired and give me a couple of days. I can give, you, you get me spiritually tired where I just have no. I just have no movement. I can be in deep weeds fast. Make sure that you spend time with people that energize you, that fill you, your tank. Because there are people that energize you, and there's people that deplete you. Come on, you, the, the, you're looking at me like you're all sanctimonious. You see those people in the grocery store, and you go, oh, I'm going to hide behind the heavenly hands. Oh, Lord, don't let them see me. Right? Because you know they're going to come talking about this and talking about that. Or you pick up the phone, caller ID is a beautiful thing, and go, oh, I do not want to talk to this person right now. Mmm, quit pointing. It's not nice, right? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. There are people that pull, you pull in the church parking lot with and you go, oh, I'm going to go to the next service. Mm, wait a minute. I mean, come on, you know what I'm talking about? Because they drain us. They drain you. I get that. Be nice, be nice. But at the same time, who are those people that energize you? Who are those people that you get around that, man, you just feel like, ah, oh, I can do this. Man, I just feel, I feel like I can just like outrun a locomotive after I get done talking to them. I just feel like I, I feel better about myself. Even if they're talking to me in, in a way that, that is, that's, you know, wounds of a friend can be trusted. I mean, they, 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 they're, they're building me up. They have my, it's just, there's something. Watch that. Also watch and make sure that you know what kind of friend you are. Because here's the thing: the problem with draining relationships. I'm just as a random thought. I'm chasing it right now. I'm a little adult ADD. There's a bird. Okay. And here's the deal: is this? Is that at the end of the day, sometimes the people why people don't want to be around you is because you're negative all the time, and you always talk about your problems. And everybody's got problems, and everybody hurts, right? I'm not talking it mostly hurts. We physically hurt, right? We have indigestion. We, it's hurting my. Uh, okay, I'm hurting. And so what happens is, is that sometimes it's just like I don't want to hear about it. I got my own problems. And if you find yourself being out there on an island, well, far, far, far away, you may want to ask yourself Am I doing things to push people away or am I doing things to bring, am I an energizer or am I a de energizer? Am I a drainer? The last thing I would say, what makes for great relationships is that they're growing. Great relationships grow, they don't have a shelf life, they don't go bad like milk. And some relationships do, I get that. That's a whole other message for a whole other day. But they're growing. Proverbs 27, 17 says, you use steel to sharpen steel as one friend sharpens another. King James Version says, as iron sharpens iron, so as one man sharpens another. That means there's going to be some friction. That means there's going to be some sparks. But that means that the relationship is growing. It's refining. It's developing. And those relationships are valuable. Here's the reason why. Because they're constantly making you better. They're taking you to the next level. They have the ability to grow, to develop. They don't just stagnate. They don't just stick at a certain level and just go boom. You know, like, I don't know if you ever do this, but every once in a while i get on Facebook and I'm, I'm, on, I'm, I'm on Facebook and I'm looking at people that I went to high school with. And I'm thinking, they're doing the same thing that they did 20 years ago when I was in high school. They're just a 40-year-old ver- version of that. Right? They were drunk then, and the pictures. They're drunk now, and they were smoking this then. I don't know what they're smoking now, and they were they were doing this. They're just because something happens if we're not careful. We just get into this pattern. You see people, they have the same haircut they had in high school? Come on, don't point. It's not nice. But you know what I'm talking about? They have the same hairdo, the same deal. I mean, like whatever was cool when they graduated high school, it's like they just stuck right there, right? They just, oh, yeah, okay. And, And there's just something about us. But there are a few relationships that just grow and they develop. They allow us to grow and develop, and we grow and develop them. And those kind of relationships are the most powerful relationships that you can have. That's the reason why a husband and wife should always be communicating, because they need to have the ability to grow together, so they don't grow apart, and that's all based on decision. Now, I want you to stop for just a second. If you wrote those things down, lasting, built on truth, energizing, and growing, those four things that make for great relationships are also the four things that make for a great church. A great church is lasting. It has a focus that's eternal. They're not fighting about the color of the pews or the color of the carpet they're not fighting about this ministry. Yeah, they took my ministry tote bag and they took my tub of stuff and I don't have my stuff anymore and I don't even know what I do with my stuff, but it's my stuff. And it, it's, they're about things that are of, of eternal nature. They're about people that have yet to walk through the door. The great churches are churches that are built on truth, right? They're built on God's Word. The Word of God, that's what will change you every weekend. Not my ideas, not a cute story from me, not a great song, not a great video, but it's when we take the Word of God and we open the Word of God and we rightly divide the Word of truth and we apply it into our lives to make us better. Energizing. Who likes to go to a dead church? I don't, and I'm a pastor. I mean, and I've been to some. I, I can tell you where they are. Um, I'll be nice, but, right, but, I mean, but the reality is, is nobody gets anything out of that. But there's something about going to a church service where you walk out and go, man, I feel like I can do it. Man, I feel like I'm an overcomer. Man, I feel like, or you walk out and you go, man, the Holy Spirit just really got a hold of me and I need to work on this, but I'm going to be better because of this. Or wow, look at what we're able to do together around the world. Wow, look what we're able to do together reaching our community. Wow, look at the vision that we're able to do together to reach this community. Wow, I am really a part of something that God is doing. Wow, this is exciting. Wow, this is amazing it's energizing and a great church is always growing it's always growing let me tell you something grass grows because it's natural you don't have to coach it to grow you don't have to coax it to grow you give it enough sunlight and enough nutrients and you give it enough water and you give it the right temperature and it will grow but you freeze it out it will go dormant like that you pull away the water it will dry up like that You pull away the nutrients and it will turn yellow as quick as it can. But if if the soil is healthy and if the the environment is right, it will grow. You don't have to teach it. You don't have to train it because it grows. That's what it's supposed to do. And the local church of Jesus Christ will grow naturally. It doesn't have to be forced. It doesn't have to be coerced. It doesn't have to be coached. It doesn't have to be massaged. It will grow. Why? Because it's natural to grow. And when it doesn't grow, it's not growing because something is wrong. That's pretty brazen for you to say. I'm just telling you what the word says. That the local church is designed to grow. It's designed to develop. It's it is designed to be reaching. It is look, we're not on we're not on defense. We are on offense. We are advancing the kingdom of God. We are going forward and doing great things and believing great dreams for God. And and the reality is that's what makes a great church and that's what makes Life Church great. Because you come in every single weekend And you build these lasting relationships and you open up the word of truth and you energize each other and you are a part of something that God's doing to grow. So how do we celebrate this thing during this Christmas season? I'm so glad you asked. I'm going to ask you to do something that won't cost you anything more really than some time. And that is this. Who is some person, some couple that attend this church. You may not even know their name. You may have to go to guest services afterwards and just say, hey, I need to figure out who this person is. But you see them on the parking lot. You watch them. But maybe it's their kindness or their generosity. Maybe, it's, maybe you've just watched the way they raise their kids. Maybe they're an older couple that you admire. Maybe they're a, a younger couple that you see yourself in and, and you see God's, God's hand on their life. Maybe it's someone that, that, that just received your kids in Life Kids today or will receive your children in Student Life Maybe they're a person that worships here on the the platform. Or maybe they they run a camera. They're in the AV booth. Or maybe they're an usher, a greeter. I I don't know. But there are people in this church that you admire. There are people in this church that energize you. There's people in this church that encourage you. And I'm not talking about me. Don't, Don't do this to me. This isn't about me or the staff. But just people that just serve selflessly, tirelessly, week in and week out, building the kingdom. Make this church great. I'm going to ask you to do something. Write them a card. Give them a call. If you want to give them a gift, that's fine. But do something to communicate to that person I'm watching you and I am encouraged by you. I watch how you've led your family. I watch how you lead your kids. I watch how you love your spouse. I I, I watch how you, I'm encouraged. I see how you act in the parking lot. I I saw you the other day in outside church and and you conducted yourself with such grace and with such dignity. It made me proud to know that you and I go to the same church. I don't know what it may be, but just communicate to them. If you don't know their address and and you can't figure that out, then just write it down and just simply give them that card. Some of you are single and you're going, wow, this is great. I can go to her and say, I've really been admiring you for a long time. (laughs) That's cool too. Whatever you need to do, right? But but, but what I'm asking you to do is to celebrate the people that make this church great. Listen, I believe this with all my heart. I believe everything rises and falls on leadership, but I believe the leadership of the local church is Jesus Christ. And I believe I am a humble servant of His. And Tammy and I feel that we are graced to be at this place and to serve you. We feel it to be an honor and a privilege. We feel humble to have a staff that we have and to have the, all that God's blessed at this church. But I'm telling you what makes this church great. Are the people that are in it. That serve week in and week out. And you go. But really does that make a big difference? I never forget. Timmy and I. We were we pastors in northwest Arkansas. And we were moving to Oklahoma. In the process of moving to Oklahoma, we were going with our senior pastor. He was, he was leaving Northwest Arkansas. We were serving him there. And he was taking a church in Tulsa. And so we went with him. And the process of going with him, we went to this church. And, and God did some great things. But when we, we first got there, the, the median age was probably 20 years older than his age and my age combined. And we were, he was 35 and I was 25. And I hadn't been to the church. I was just going because he was there. And he leans over to me uh, the first Sunday that we're there. And he says, Hey, Aaron, in two weeks, you're going to be leading worship. And I said, Do what? And I had led worship before. I knew how to do all that, but it was like, no, 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 Mike, Mike, Mike. Listen, 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 they, they're, they they do not even have drums in the first service. They think drums are like, like of uh, the devil in the first service, right? And, and, and my, and I'm me and I'm 25 and I'm going to be doing happy song and they're not going to be too happy with the song. And here's the whole deal. And he goes, no, 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 it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So reluctantly, I just was following my leader. I did not want to do this. And I went and I remember going to that rehearsal that first week. And Teresa, who had played the organ, dignified lady. She was a widow, probably been playing the organ for 20 years. Just sweet, very kind. Everybody knew her, thought very highly of her. She was a very quiet lady, but a very dignified lady. And I just was trying to make sure I had all these people. Because I already had one pianist leave on me because I introduced the drums in the first service. It was like, this isn't of God. And he said it like that, God. So anyhow, so I, I was like, maybe it's not, but I'm told to do this. And this is all I know what to do. And so she stuck with me. And I remember writing her a card and just saying thank you so much for trusting me, for allowing me the ability to be able to lead, and for all that you do. You, you lead with such grace and with such dignity. And I know you're a quiet leader, but you make a big difference. She came to me the next week and she said, in 20-some-odd years of playing the organ at this church, I have never had anybody thank me in a card. Well from that point, man, I was in like Flint, man. I could do no wrong. I could dance. I could do anything I wanted to do. Because she was going to keep, no, no, no. I mean, she was going to play the organ for me. And but the reality was she just said thank you. And I just thought to myself, wow, how many great people are there in any church that have just, no one's ever just said, I just admire the way you do this, you do that.